Welcome to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is dedicated to helping people love Jesus and the people they encounter every day. Today, you will listen to our most recent Sunday sermon. So sit back, relax, and let Jesus speak to you wherever you may be. And now, this week's sermon. We're starting a new series this Sunday called Satisfied, and it's based on Matthew chapter 5 and the teaching of the Beatitudes. And I don't know about you, but there are times in my life where I have found myself in intense places of need. Have you ever been in a place of need where you're like, I need something. I need some help. I need something. Just me. Am I the only one? All of us at some point have come to a recognition of I have a need in my life. In whatever area it is, whether it's relational, whether it's uh, in finances, maybe it's in our health, maybe it's in our own soul, in our spirit, like in, in our being, we have a need that something is missing and it needs to be filled. And I have good news for you this morning. The heart of your Father in heaven is that your needs be satisfied. And if we look at Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. It's speaking of Jesus. It says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And we see there that last part of the verse. You know, I remember as a kid sitting in church and people would read the Beatitudes and be like, blessed are when people cuss you. Blessed are you when they treat you bad and revile you, like when they persecute you. Like, that didn't compute in my head. But the promise there is that God is keeping track. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you felt like people were mistreating you because of your faith or because maybe you shared some truth with them or you tried to share God's heart with them and they got all mad at you and told you, uh, you know, where you could stick it. And you thought, oh, that, that kind of hurts. Like, that's rejection. I don't like it. That stings. God keeps track of those places, those places where our heart walks. The promises of the Beatitudes are that where there is a need, that he is going to fill it. I want you to be aware this morning that God is not indifferent to your need. As a matter of fact, God delights in meeting our needs. You need to believe that about your heavenly father. Because if you don't believe that about your father, then you have the mindset or the heart or the belief of an orphan. If you don't believe that God delights in meeting your need, then you don't see yourself as a son or a daughter. Or maybe you don't apprehend exactly what that means. I know there's a lot of years in my life where I felt like um, I felt needy because <laughs> I was needy. And I felt like, you know, God's, you know, he's busy. He's awesome. He's mighty. He's, he's doing his thing. And I'm over here being really needy. And I'm not sure that, you know, God has the time or like that that's really okay for me to be needy. Listen, you need to hear some of these things here this morning. When God created the planet, when he created mankind, he created you and I with a specific set of needs. These are God-given legitimate needs. Like he created you with a need for food. That's why he planted, it says in the garden, all the food, all the trees that bore fruit that were good for food. 
there was a need he created mankind with, and then he met the need. You have a need for sleep and for rest. You know how when you uh, when the computer glitches and the first thing the guy on the phone asks you is, did you turn it off and turn it back on again? Your brain needs that on a consistent, regular basis, like every night. You need to turn it off. You need to go to sleep. Your brain needs to reboot. You need to reset so that you can be fresh and that, you know, you, you make sense the next day. You can logically process through things. Your, your emotions, your body recovers. Do you know that when you go to sleep, your body starts to heal? I remember the first time I realized this, it's like I, I had done this uh, pretty difficult workout and I fell asleep on the couch. And like 20 minutes later, I woke up and when I tried to move, my body was like, not done. <laughs> Lay down. Still fixing what you broke. Just stop it. Your body has legitimate needs. Your heart has legitimate needs. You have a need to be loved, to be accepted, to be seen. You have a need for people to speak life over you. That's why God is always calling us to community. He's calling us to love one all throughout Scripture, love one another, build each other up, because it's a legitimate need that we have. I think the problem sometimes comes in where we don't know what's a need and what's a desire. There's a thing that I really, I would like, that I feel like is a need, but God's like, no, that's not a need, that's a desire. And it's, maybe it's not a wrong desire, but it's not actually a need. Like, you can survive without it. And really, I think the line between a need and a desire is, if this goes unmet in my life, Will I be whole without it? And the place of the line between need and desire, actually, and even in legitimate needs, is where a need is going unmet, God can make up the difference. If people aren't pouring into you the things that you need, your family, your friends, your loved one, even in your marriage, God can make up what is lacking. And he can fill that place because he is our very, very first source of meeting our needs. And if we believe in our heart and we get a mindset and understanding that God delights in meeting our needs, then we're not going to be afraid to come to him when we're saying, okay, God, I'm feeling this lack. I'm feeling this emptiness, this void, like this need is not being met. God, what do you have for me in this area? And then you give him permission to meet it in whatever way that he desires to meet it. It's in his name. You know, we sing the song Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means God will provide or God provides. It's what Abraham said of God when he was going to sacrifice Isaac and God said, you don't have to. And then there was, oh, look, there's a ram right there caught in a thicket. God provided a sacrifice. God provides according to our needs. Jehovah Jireh. It's part of his identity. In Psalm 145, 16, he says, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. If you think about just the way the world was created, there are things that I didn't realize until you start to, to learn some things about, you know, the, your physical body and health and nature and all that stuff. Usually happens when you get sick and you're like, what does Dr. Google have to say? And you start to find out all kinds of things, mind-blowing things that you never knew. Like, I didn't understand. I was told uh, probably 10, 12 years ago by a doctor. He says, uh, you're white, you're bald, you live in the desert, don't go outside, don't go in the sun. Because cancer, you'll get cancer. That's what the doctor told me. And I was like, thank you, doctor. I'm glad I paid you for that great advice. But then you find out your body is designed to absorb nutrients from the sun. You get vitamin D infusion from the sun. The radiation that the sun puts out is actually good for your body. Maybe not in July at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but there are times where your body needs to receive sunlight. Some of us need to practice that more. As a matter of fact, early in the morning, there is a specific radiation that the sun puts off before it's high in the sky that when it hits your eyes, 
it tells your body, hey, it's time to go. It begins to kick things in gear. It starts to pump out hormones and it starts to like begin a cycle in your body that it's time to get to work. Like God designed us to be ministered to, to be blessed, to be nourished by the, the nature that he created. And then there's this thing called grounding. I don't know if you've heard of this. At some point in your life, probably on a regular basis, your bare feet need to make contact with the earth. I mean, it could be grass, but it doesn't have to be dirt. Because the electrical impulses in the planet actually feed the electrical impulses in your body. It like, it balances, it restores. God created nature in such a way that it would minister to the people, the animals, the creation that he placed on the planet. He was thinking that far ahead because he says, you've got needs, I want to meet those needs. I want to make sure you have the things that you need. Now we understand that the creation was broken through sin, that things don't always work like they should. Like even in our bodies, things don't work like they should. Even though God gave us the miracle of healing, like your body recovers from a lot of things. If you get cut, your body goes to work trying to heal that cut to put it back together. If you get sick, your body kicks into gear, you have an immune system. That is a miracle that God has given us of need. But in places of lack, where things are broken and don't work as they should, he says, I will make up the difference. I will be the thing that makes up what's missing, what's lacking. In Jeremiah 31, 25, he says, For I will satisfy the weary soul, and every languishing soul I will replenish. And in Philippians 4, the Apostle Paul 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God delights in meeting your needs. I think some of us maybe we didn't we wanted to believe that, but we weren't really sure, so we didn't really lean into it, or we weren't aggressive at moving towards God when we come to this place of need because you don't want to be needy, right? Nobody wants to be needy. But there are places in our lives that we need to recognize, this is beyond me. God, I need something greater than what is actually in my life right now. Like, I need to lean into you, and I need to see what it is that you have for me. My favorite is Psalm 63, 5. It says, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Did you know God created the keto diet? Scripture, kids. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. I remember after I had my heart attack 11, 12 years ago, they said, anything with fat in it, don't eat it. And I was like, okay, no fat. Fat's bad. But then I'm remembering the promised land. God said, you'll live off the fat of the land. And I was thinking, God, something, that doesn't compute. Like, that was a promise, that was a blessing, fat of the land. Doctor's like, don't eat fat. And then I discovered keto. Fat is good for you. It actually is. God created good fats, like there's avocado, coconut oil, olive oil. There's all these good things that your body thrives under that as we learn and grow and understand, we can lean into and the needs of our body and the needs of our health will be met. When Jesus arrived on the scene, he was all about promising to meet our needs. When he said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he was offering to meet the need of our soul who were being overwhelmed, who felt hopeless, who felt like I don't have the answers. I don't have the strength to go on. He says, I'll give you what you need. Just come to me. And when he told the woman at the well, he says, whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst again. He was promising to give an ever renewing, satisfying source for our soul. That's why he came. He knew we needed a savior and he arrived on the scene to meet that need in our lives. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, that was separated from heaven, 
that was separated from God. He says, I'm here to reconnect you with the Father's heart. I'm here to make a way for you to be made righteous and to come into full fellowship so that that veil is torn down. You're no longer separated from God, but you can come close and you can relax in his embrace and find what you need in him. Where there is a lack, he is promising to fill the need. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah, which uh, Jesus quoted this in Luke 4, the prophet Isaiah said of Jesus, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The prophecy of Jesus was that where there was a need, he would fill the need. If you're oppressed, if you're a captive, you get liberty, you get freedom. If you're blind, he'll give you sight. He came to restore and to give the things that his people needed. The problem is sometimes we think we need things we don't really need. Sometimes we think, and we tell our wives, I really need that car. It would fill my soul with goodness. But we don't really need that car. We want that car. Sometimes we think we need that house or we need that job. Well, there's all kinds of things the world has to offer. There's all kinds of counterfeits that are floating around out there. And some of them aren't, they're not bad things. But if they become the thing we look to to fill the source, the source to fill our need, we've just put them in a God spot. And the enemy has basketfuls of counterfeits that he's consistently offering to us. Like when your kids grow to that stage where they become teenagers and they feel in their soul that they need this person in their life to be in relationship with them. And you're going, no, you don't need that. I don't need that. Nobody needs that. Baby girl, run from that. That's not good for you. It's a counterfeit. Run. They can't see it. Like they feel every cell in their being is, I need this relationship in my life. And the people with wisdom, with a little bit of age and experience and some scars <laughs> to prove it, say, no, you don't need that. But you can't convince them they don't need that. You can't convince a drug addict that they don't need the drug that they're addicted to. Everything within them is crying out, I need that. I can't survive without that. But those of us who are sober can look at it and say, you don't need that. That's a counterfeit. And it's, it's sucking you dry of life. It's actually taking from you the very thing that you're looking for. It's a counterfeit. What are some of the counterfeits that, that can come up in our lives? Sometimes, maybe, maybe the counterfeits look like things like control. I feel like I need control over a certain situation or over a certain place in my life because if I had control, then I would be secure. That's a counterfeit because control is an illusion. You don't actually have control. If you ever had a toddler, you have no control in your life. Or how about this? You ever been married? There is no control. Control is an illusion. It just doesn't happen. Either way. I'm talking to husbands and wives, guys. I'm not like calling out. I know some of you are like elbowing right now and looking at each other like, mm-hmm. The counterfeit of control comes and says, look, if you get control of this situation, if you get control of this person, if you get control of this job, maybe if you were the manager, supervisor, boss, CEO, owner, whatever it is in your life, if you think you can get control over it, then what you need will be fulfilled. That is a counterfeit. Because the only control you have is over your own heart as you manage and steward it with God's help. Sometimes counterfeits look like uh, anger or pride. You know, if you rise up in pride to defend your honor, defend yourself and let people know, I'm not an idiot, and you're going to argue and cuss at them so that they don't look at you like you're an idiot, that's a counterfeit. Because humility 
which God invites us into, humility says, look, let me fight that battle. You don't have to fight for yourself. You don't have to prove yourself. There's all kinds of counterfeits that the enemy has to offer us. I remember as a young man, I grew up, my parents were in ministry. I grew up around people in ministry. The desire of my heart was to serve God, to please him, to make him happy. And I wanted to be in ministry. And I found as I got into ministry, there are a lot of broken people in ministry leadership. And you get there and you start looking around, you start like seeing people, like real people, and you're like, mm-hmm, okay, 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 this is disappointing. And then God holds the mirror up to you and you go, okay, I'm carrying some brokenness. I remember somebody made the joke one time that uh, people, people that, where'd Sam, Sam's still in here? Yeah. People that get psychology degrees do that because they're trying to figure out their own mess. It's like that a lot in ministry. A lot of times people get into ministry because they want to feel accepted. And I found that the title and position of pastor had become a counterfeit in my life. Because I thought that would make me acceptable, that would be pleasing. And it's not that there wasn't good desire mixed in there with it, but there was just enough of that impure motive, that wrong identity. And I found that when God walked me through a season where that, like, I, I didn't have that identity, it was 10 years of my life, the only ministry I did was one-on-one with somebody that would come over to the house and kind of shared our journey and how God had restored our brokenness. But there was no ministry, no title. And he, he walked me through a season so that that thing could be fleshed out of me. It doesn't matter. The title doesn't matter. The position doesn't matter. Having the microphone to stand in front of people, it doesn't matter. If it was taken from me tomorrow, it doesn't change my identity. It doesn't change who God created me to be. You understand? Sometimes we strive to do things or be things or become things because we're trying to fill that need, that need for validation, that need for acceptance, that need to be who somebody will love. But we don't understand sometimes God created us, first of all, for intimacy with him, and out of that flows everything else. In my marriage, in my marriage, my first place of intimacy has to be between me and the Lord. And it has to be the same for my wife. And then when we come together, everything else is overflow. But see, if I don't have intimacy with God, I might try to draw from my wife things I feel like I need that only God can fulfill. And that's where I become a needy person and she feels overwhelmed because she doesn't have everything that I need to supply. So it has to be two people that are working together in their intimacy with God that come together to be one and he's in the middle of all of it and he's the one that's providing the overflow. And it's a place of identity, these places of identity that become counterfeits. They become passions, they become lusts, they get out of balance. James, the problem is that these counterfeits never meet our our legitimate needs And so they're never satisfied. In James chapter 4, the apostle James says that you desire and don't have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. But you ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your pleasures, to spend it on your passions, to spend it on your lusts. In other words, we're in such a place where we feel like, God, if I just had this thing, I would be whole. And God's like, that ain't going to fix you, kid. That's not going to help you at all. Sometimes it'll harm you. And so God doesn't give us things because he knows it'll just blow us out. Like you go and ask God for a million dollars and he knows a million dollars is going to magnify what's inside here. And if you had a million dollars, you could do a lot of damage. You don't get a million dollars. Money is a magnifier. It doesn't fix things. It magnifies what you're already carrying. And if you've got a mess going on in here and you put fuel of money, position, or power on that, you got a mess. That's a problem. A lot of times God doesn't put things in our lives because he knows this will destroy you. Secondly, 
I want us to understand not only does God delight in meeting our needs, but he has a provision that we don't know anything about. God has ways of meeting needs that we know nothing of. Sometimes when I go to God and I pray for a need, I'm like, God, I need this to happen. I need you to show up in this way and do this thing. Like these specific events have to happen and then the need will be met. And God can come around through a side door and do it in a completely different way that I never even imagined because he's so much more creative than I am. And if I give him permission to meet my need in the way he desires, I find him so much more fulfilled and satisfied than when I'm just yearning for this one thing to happen. God, I just need this one thing to happen. I've got to surrender those things to him. If we look at the story in the garden with Adam, when God created the the world and he put a garden there and then he put a man in the garden and he's looking at what he did. He's like, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's not good. And he was talking about Adam. He's like, that kid needs help. I will make a helper suitable to him. So what is the very first thing God did after he said, that's not good? First, First step of action. He brought all the animals to Adam and he said, Adam, what would you call this? And so Adam sat there and he goes, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Antelope, Mr. and Mrs. Buffalo, Mr. and Mrs. Cat. And he just went through all the animals, whatever Adam called them, that's what their name was. And it says throughout the whole process, but there is no helper found suitable for Adam. And I have to imagine in Adam's mind as he's like, Mr. and Mrs., Mr. and Mrs., Mr. and Mrs., but there was no helper suitable for Adam. God was bringing Adam to an awareness of his core need. And oftentimes God will do that for us because we're not even aware of what we need. We don't even know what we need. Have you ever been there? You're like, God, I don't even know what I need. Uh, something, something's missing. There's something missing. There's a dissatisfaction in my soul, and I don't know what I need. Sometimes it's more intimate communion with Father. Sometimes we need God to show up in our lives in a specific way to meet a specific need. But he always, always leads us through a process of becoming aware of our need before he moves to fill it. Because he wants us to understand. He wants us to understand what's going on. He wants us to be a part of it. And when we serve a God who can call into existence things that did not exist the moment before he said it, then there is no need in your life that needs to go unfulfilled. God created Adam and the animals out of the dust of the earth. Eve, he made out of a rib from the side of Adam, which he took a finished product and he further refined it to make a product that was more fine, that was advanced. It was the crowning jewel of all creation, ladies. That's your status in place. Like you are a refinement of a refinement. Your man was made of dirt. That's why they don't like to clean. It's our, uh, it's our 28th anniversary today. Thank you. It was close, but we made it. <laughs> God has done some amazing things when he smashed our lives together and he began to pull brokenness out of us and restore and, and build things up. But when you understand that God has a way of meeting the need of your life in a way that you didn't expect, you can relax in a whole lot of areas where you're stressed. Because why I'm worried about my needs being met, that's when I go into survival mode, and that's where counterfeits start to look really attractive to me. You talk to people who, they're looking for their life's mate, they're looking for somebody to date, and it's like, don't do that. Get with God, start running after God, start serving God, and then you notice the people that you're bumping into that are like-minded because they're chasing after God too, 
that's where you want to be. But if you're out looking for a soulmate in the club, you're going to find a bunch of players. If you're out looking for a soulmate or if you're by swiping left, you don't know what you're getting. I mean, even with the internet and the way you can spy on people today, you still don't know what you're getting. But when you go hard after God and you start bumping into people who are going hard after God, you're going to find the right kind of place you're looking for a life's mate because they have the same values that you do. So allow God to meet your need. Like Adam wasn't going around like, okay, God, I'm, something's missing. I see what you did with all the animals. Like they all reproduce after their kind. I don't have, I'm the only kind. Adam wasn't doing that. God had to make him aware of it. What we do is we go backwards. Like we're like, I need this need met. I'm going to go running after it. I'm going to go out and make it happen. And sometimes when we make it happen, the results aren't pretty. Now, even in that, God can redeem anything. God can make out of our mess something of beauty and something of treasure and something of value if we'll trust him with it. And my whole point with that today is, look, trust God to meet your need in the way he desires to. Allow him to take you on the journey of having that need met. Don't put restrictions on God and say, it's got to be this way, God, or no way at all. He has permission. He is God. He knows best. He created you. He designed you. He put things inside of you. You don't even know that you need ministered to. And he has a way of finding what you need, when you need, and how you need. So give him that place in your life. He's inviting us, thirdly, to partner with him in meeting our needs. And I've already touched on this a little bit, but when we follow his will, when we follow his words, everything else that we need, we find if we start with him. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What things? He'd just given a list of the things people stress out about, people that people are concerned about. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Like, where are we going to live? How are we going to survive? Jesus said, all those things are going to be added if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, I'm not saying don't go to work. I'm saying don't be in such a posture of stress and anxiety over all of these things that just suck life out of you because you're just worried about it all the time. But I'm saying put your faith and trust in God as a son or a daughter and give him those places and allow him to meet those needs. I don't know if you've ever been in places where you're not sure how you're going to make it through. Like we've been in places where it's like, I don't know how we're going to pay rent. We've been in places where it's like, we're running out of diapers. And I don't know what happens after that. Like, I guess they just crawl around in the tub all day because then we can just wash it down the drain because they're not sitting on the couch with no diaper. I mean, really? I mean, the, the alternatives are pretty scary. And we've had... People show up on our doorstep with bags of groceries and diapers. I had a guy at work one time. He hand, he's shoving money into my hand. It's not a tipping position. I'm, I'm like, why are you giving me money? I'm trying to give it back to him. He's like, no, no, no. I, I, feel, I really feel like I should give you this. He's trying to give me $100. And I go home and I talk to Pam and find out, oh, yeah, we were really, really, really low on some things. And this like just saved us from disaster. I remember the very first bonus I ever got was $500. My boss came in and told me he's giving me a bonus. I'm like, oh, my gosh, $500. I'm thinking of all the things we can do with 500, like play money, like this bonus. It's like extra. 30 minutes later, I get a phone call from Pam. She's like, a car just ran into the side of the house. I'm like, what? Yeah, a car just ran into the side of the house. Like these two 12-year-old kids, like they boosted a car down the street and they took off. And when they turned the corner, they lost control. They hit our house. 
The police came, took a report. Like It was like, oh my gosh, a car hit my house. Guess what the deductible on our insurance was? $500. Like it was spent before I got it. God knew the need before I knew I had a need. Before the car hit the house, before anything happened, God's like, you're going to need that. God has a way of meeting your need that you know nothing about. And he's inviting you to partner with him in trust. He's inviting you to partner with him in faith. I can remember my wife confessing to me after the fact that when we would have a disagreement or we had a discussion that didn't go well, that she started like praying to God and saying, okay, God, you straighten him out because he won't listen to me. And like within a short amount of time, I would have this deep conviction that would fall upon me and I would go back to her to make amends and like to fix it and to apologize. Like this happened several times. And then finally she said, I don't know, maybe, maybe she told it to a ladies meeting. I don't know if she told me first. She shared this and I was like, that's cheating, right? (laughs) She had found a place where when she lost hope with her ability to communicate with me, because I won't hear, I won't listen, I'm being stubborn, prideful, whatever. God could get through in a way that she never could. And he could touch my heart in places that she never could. And when he softened my heart, my heart was so tender and open to her that she could pour in the things that she was longing to pour into my heart. It doesn't matter what situation of life you're facing. I don't care if it's your job, your finances, your health, your marriage, with your kids, whatever you're looking at, if you will partner with God and allow him to meet the need of your soul in the way that he has prescribed to meet it, you're going to find this is what you really needed. But when we run to counterfeits and try to meet those needs ourselves, that's where we find ourselves, we're never satisfied. It never satisfies. I can remember I was in a few different um, job situations that were, uh, they always tried to get me into sales. And I'm not against sales. I think sales is needed. Like sometimes I need a salesman to walk me through what I actually need. But this particular place I was working, I had been in the room and the manager had told the salesman to go out and lie to the people, tell them this, just get this, just get them to sign. And I'm like, I can't do that. I can't do that. If I had a fear of how I'm going to, if, if I'm in a position like that where my money comes in off of sales and I'm tempted to lie, I'm going to partner with a spirit of deceit to meet my need. And that's not partnering with the spirit of God. See, that's just one example. There's so many other ways that that could go in our lives, whether it's in a relationship, whether we use manipulation or control, or we try to use dominance to try to get what we think is our need met, but we're not trusting in God to supply all our need. God is inviting you to partner with him, to trust him that he will meet your need in the way that you need, in the best way that you need. And sometimes you're praying and you're asking and it's like, okay, God, like, how long is this going to take? Because (laughs) rent's due tomorrow or rent was due yesterday. If you stay in faith and trust, I promise you, God always, always comes through. Even in places where I felt like, okay, he dropped the ball. He didn't come through. Things fell apart. The way things fell apart actually led to a better place that he probably was trying to move me to all along, but I just wouldn't hear him. So he had to do it in a way that I wasn't expecting or wanting to cooperate with. But I found that after I got there, like take my heart attack, I died on the table. I didn't want to do that. I didn't see it coming. I didn't vote for that. And nobody gave me a say. But I found that after that process, when God put me back together and put me on my feet, there was such a deeper, rich relationship with him than I had before. And I started to recognize and see some things in my life that were really unhealthy that led up to that place, like not taking a day of rest, not 
not paying attention to my own health, not paying attention to the stress levels I was placing myself under. You can trust God with every situation of life. I promise, I promise, I promise. You can trust him. He will supply all your need. Sometimes we just need to let go of things that are not needs. They're just desires. Give him permission to define those things. Thank you for listening to The Mountain Podcast. The Mountain Church is located in Las Vegas, Nevada, with services happening every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you'd like to know more about The Mountain Church, please visit us at themtnchurch.com or watch one of our services on YouTube. Again, thank you for tuning in.